The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Thanks for hanging out. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, we are loaded up. We are going to preview the Big Ten West and the conference overall. Brett Sianka of Pick 6 Previews will be with us in 20 minutes. Where does he have Nebraska in the West race? What are some playoff possibilities for the Big Ten other than Ohio State? So, uh, pick six previews on the way. In hour two, we'll get a coach's perspective on what you can and can't say about a former coworker, because what's dominated uh, today has been the Pat Narduzzi blast on Mark Whipple. What's Coach Barnett say about that? Blackshirt Jay Moore will join us, and we'll uh, spend some time with uh, Burke's Best Bets from Beeson Sports Network. Danny Burke has some thoughts on a potential winner tonight and uh, what to look forward to when it comes to some futures the second half of the Major League Baseball season. can get involved with us. You're invited to. can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, as always, email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. You want to dial up, go old school, go for it at 466 Toll free around the state where you hear us at 800-825-5865. The Athlon folks have their rankings of Big Ten quarterbacks. Where does Casey Thompson fit into that mix? Elijah, what are you doing? How's uh, the Thursday going? It's going really, really well. Uh, as I said yesterday on the show, got out to the baseball fields a little bit today and um, ended up spending more time trying to teach my brother how to throw than my sister. My brother, for reference, is 26 um, and never quite learned how to throw. So we got his throwing motion down. My sister had it down pat and got some sun and, and uh, enjoyed the, the warm weather today. And now I'm in here ready to talk about Pat Narduzzi. Yes, uh, Pat Narduzzi, <laughs> the head coach at Pitt. Let's just give you a little bit of point of reference for Narduzzi. Youngstown guy, Youngstown State guy, and uh, East Coast dude, and was a really, really good assistant under Dan Tony. Okay. Uh, he was somebody that was groomed from Cincinnati to Michigan State to, I thought, with the opening once uh, once Coach D'Antoni, is D'Antoni or D'Antonio? I, again, I'm back to the basketball football thing. D'Antoni. D'Antoni. <laughs> 
we got to right. we got to rephrase this credibility. <laughs> searching for it on a Thursday. Only three minutes in. Yeah, well, hell, <laughs> at least we got it out of the way. We can question the rest of them. Hour fifty-five. But with, with Dan Tody, he uh, he left, of course, got that bonus, and, and then was was Gonzo after uh, his time there. And and Narduzzi had been at Pitt right after that that twenty fourteen season. Uh, where they finished, I, I'm pretty sure, top five, Sparty did. The following season, they went to the playoff, right? They had that no-fly zone. D'Antoni, a, a defensive guy, and Narduzzi also a wonderful compliment with his own thoughts and coaching style with that side of the football. So they they were a really good and great program in the Big Ten 2013 through about 2015. They had a three-year run. I checked – we were right the first time. It's D'Antonio. That's what I thought. I, I screwed it up See? for you. Yeah, that's okay. Credibility, part two. <laughs> D'Antonio. I, and I, you know what? As I was saying, D'Antonio, that didn't sound right. I needed to hear basketballs bouncing. You know, as soon as you said D'Antonio, I went, nah, that's not right. I Mike D'Antonio, Mark D'Antonio. Yes. Just got to say it out loud. But uh, just replace the name. <laughs> the, the point is still valid with what Sparty was. And, and once that job opened up, and even then you heard, uh, you heard a little Narduzzi murmur with, with the Nebraska gig once it opened, right? If, if, if not Scott, then who? And to Narduzzi's credit, early on in his tenure, I mean, he's one of few guys to roll into Clemson and win. Uh, his field goal kicker blew it, didn't, and, and drilled a, a field goal on the road at number three Clemson. Uh, they've been a, a an okay program, eight and five, seven and five. I think a six win year with COVID, and and he's built a, a team and a program at Pitt that's gone to two ACC title games. They they won it last year. Now the reality about Narduzzi is he's kind of one of those old school defensive minded coaches that if you don't do what he wants on offense, if you don't help protect the defense, my take in two cents is he's hard as hell to work for. He's one of those guys that, that's, that's difficult to work for. Case in point, he's been through five offensive coordinators, right? I mean, he's been through Matt Canada. He's been through Coach Watson. Sean Watson was there, and, and Whipple replaced him. So... Guys have lasted a year or two. Whipple Whipple lasted three and then got the hell out. Really good story by Sam McEwen. And Sam was like, uh, yeah, he, he interviewed for the Nebraska opening, uh, you know, 24 hours after the, the ACC championship. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to some of Narduzzi's comments in a moment. But uh, what's your thought on this as a Nebraska fan? A, are you, you freaked out that, oh, no, it's going to be <laughs> – Air raid. <laughs> well, it's going to be more pro style. There's going to be some passing. I think Whipple's a smart enough football coach to be able to find something that works. That could be the run game. That could be the pass game. But there'll be options. And hopefully for you Nebraska fans, that whatever is working continues to work and the offense isn't an issue. Hopefully the offense isn't an issue in the red zone. Hopefully the offense isn't an issue with special teams. If you don't get seven, you're at least going to get three. Okay? That's the biggest thing. Nebraska's put up a, a, a boatload of yards, but they have zero uh, conversions. I shouldn't say zero, but my, my point is is the, the conversion rate for the yardage is 
not what it needs to be or not what it should be. And it's just weird to to have the dirty laundry aired on on a podcast, a, a Steelers podcast about a guy in Mark Whipple who came in, who helped develop your first round pick, your your all ACC quarterback, the Davy O'Brien Award winner, and and complain about him. That's just what guy that was, you know, third in scoring offense at forty one points a game. Think of how how prevalent points are in college football. Now, offenses are going nuts. You had the third best offense in the country. You had a top 10 total offense almost at 500 yards a game. And you had the Bolitnikoff winner, and you had the, the, the you know a really good quarterback that went first round mm-hmm. that got developed to be good. I just don't – I've never seen this or heard it publicly where you just go gangster on somebody for – well, you know, I'm averaging 41 points a game with this offense. Sorry, I didn't run the ball as much as you would have liked. And it comes back to the defensive mentality and mindset, Elijah, of a lot of defensive guys with tempo and how many plays are you running? Are you gassing my defense because you're storing, you're scoring too quick or you're not taking time off the clock to get my defense fresh? That's what this is. And to me, again, uh, from the peanut section, I don't know Coach Narduzzi. I'm not in the pit program. But it, it, it sounds a lot like a defensive coach that uh, doesn't want his, his reputation soiled uh, because his defense has given up points and yards. And uh, he made it tough. Whipple, the way he called a game, made it tough. That's my read into this. We'll hear it in a moment. But it, it's just kind of unheard of. Does, does Narduzzi have a bad memory when referencing the Wake Forest game? That's what he's bitching about on this podcast. And they ran the football more than they threw the football in that game. The longest run in that game was the infamous Cody Pickett fake slide <laughs> that went for 55 yards. They had another running back that ran 13 times for 55 yards. In total, they ran for 2.8 a carry against a bad rush defense, like one of the worst rush defenses. That's what, that's what Narduzzi's referencing. Why are we throwing the damn football against the worst run defense in the ACs? Well, their run defense showed up that day, and they had four turnovers. Your defense created. So there's your, there's your 20-point win and cover for an ACC championship. There you go, 11-3. and three. I just don't get it. He got loose on this podcast, and – I think it's going to be harder because of these comments for, for Narduzzi to keep good coaches. Why the hell would I want to go work for that guy if he's going to throw me under the bus and then back it over me after putting up an incredible offense, helping recruit a really talented skill set of players, and then by year three we pop for a championship. You just had the, the best pit season since Larry Fitzgerald was at Pitt, probably? Uh, I'm going to go Tony Dorsett. I mean, it's been a long time since you had a team that good, and you're going to be mad at your offensive coordinator because he used his first-round quarterback in future first- or second-round wide receiver to build a, a dominant passing offense? You're going to be mad at that? Don't you go with what you're, you're good at and with what works? Exactly. And, and, and here's the thing is, 
I mean, Husker fans read this and they go, oh, man. I'm, uh, what are we in for? Be, what are we in for? What are we in for? <laughs> but you also got to realize Nebraska doesn't have a first-round quarterback on their roster right now, and they haven't had a first-round quarterback on their roster since trivia question. Schmitty, do you know? Mm, first round? First round. There's been one in Nebraska history. Really? Mm-hmm. Whew. I mean, I, I – oh, yeah, uh, Jerry Tagge. Yes, 1972 to the Green, Green Bay, Bay Packers. Packers. Yep. Yes, so that was the last time Nebraska had a first-round Credibility redeemed. <laughs> <laughs> like, do, do you really think Mark Whipple is going to look at the roster he has this year at Nebraska and go, yeah, we're just going to run that same offense we had with Kenny Pickett? No, that makes no sense. We're going to run the same offense, but we're going to ask our quarterback to do what he's capable of doing. Exactly. Whoever wins that. Let's and, hear. and you have a better chance of winning with Kenny Pickett throwing the ball than handing it off. That's, it's as simple as that with Pitt last season. Right. You know, well, and let's, let's wear out a defense if we're Pitt with Addison. Um, this is Narduzzi. This is his comments. This is the podcast he was on. He was at ACC Media Days today. But Narduzzi uh, getting uh, it, it, in on it, on, on Whipple and, and the job he did. Everybody knew that we were going to throw the ball, and we threw the ball. Uh, we didn't, you know, and to me, that's the hardest thing. I mean, the guy threw the ball like he did, and, you know, like as a defensive coordinator, if I know you're going to throw the ball, I'm going to get you, okay? Yeah. I'm going to make you pay, and there's some things we could do to, to really stop you if we know you have no desire to run the ball. And, and our old offense coordinator had no desire to run the ball. Everybody knew it. he was stubborn. I mean, Wake Forest, 118th in run defense, and we threw the ball every down. And when we ran it, we ran for 10 yards, but that wasn't good enough. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> you either got an axe to grind or you've been playing football without a helmet too long, man. Well, I think in the first half, whenever the game was still in reach, I think Pitt's offense ran the ball something closer to five yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that number started getting pulled down in the fourth quarter. When you ran it eight straight times out, but... to milk the clock and finish the game. But still, like you won the game, your offense still put up 42 points. Was it assisted by your defense? Sure. But why do you have an axe to grind here? I, I don't get it. I, well, you don't have Pickett, you don't have Whipple, you don't have Addison. Those those guys are gone, so it's going to be about your defense and, and the dude you hired, now your fifth OC since 2015. He, I mean, he almost says it like he's excited to get past Kenny Pickett and he, Whipple and Addison. Like, oh, thank God we don't have to deal with those guys anymore that won us football games. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thank other God thing. Thank God they're out the door. Listen, if... If they know you're going to do it and they still can't stop it, come on now. That's the old Zach Wieger. We're running it here, and you're not going to do a damn thing about it. Uh, Narduzzi wasn't done. Uh, Why not set fire to his former great offensive coordinator last season? Let's continue to to torch things. Any hope of an SEC or Big Ten invite? Because he didn't have kind words about Michigan State, who beat him without Kenneth Walker, mind you, uh, in the bowl game. He's a he's a twenty one point difference. Okay, right. Um, Michigan State gets their their butt kicked in, and I tell you what, it's at least a fourteen point difference if Nick Patty plays the whole game. I can tell you that. That's how I feel. Uh, you know, and you know, we talk about Big Ten and SEC and ACC, and Richard, you're going to get me going here on this. Um, you know, that was one of the best Big Big Ten teams last year then, yeah. you know, let's go to the Big Ten and win it every year. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him being candid. I'm not going to hate on on the, um, the the fire on the podcast. Good for him. But you've been coaching long enough. 
your guy in your in in your mid fifties to be a little more polished. And you want to know why it's taken you so long to get a head coaching job, and it was Pitt that that you landed at, and you've done a a really good job there. Is probably a maturity question. Can you handle being a head coach? The guys want to work for you. You know your stuff. You've developed players. You've recruited well, or he's at least developed who he's recruited uh, to uh, to an eleven and three season. You also lost to Western Michigan last year, and I just I think it's kind of comical. Uh, Nebraska fans have been tweeting and, and chirping about this all day, throwing shade at Nebraska's new OC. Hey, uh, the resume looks incredible. When you look at Whipple's career. And Mark Whipple seems to be the guy in that coaching staff that realizes it's not 1990 anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win the game by running the ball 70 times. Well, it, well you, can, you, you, do, can, you can win a game, but you're not going to win a conference or a national title. You got to be able to do it is, is the, the bottom line of it. Red Sianca, what's he think of the big red pick six previews? Next to Tail Varsity, we're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! More on Narduzzi and and the Whipple coming up. Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's preview some Big Ten action, some Husker football. Brett Sianca with his pick six previews to talk some Huskers and Big Ten. Brett, good to spend time with you. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's exciting to be talking about the 2022 season. I just released my 11th annual season preview book, first time in hard copy form after a decade of PDF only. So excited to see that come to life in paper form. Um, and, uh, yeah, excited to break it down and what's going to be a very competitive Big Ten West. Well, you can go to pick6previews.com to find info there at pick6previews on uh, social media on Twitter to get your hard copy ordered. And, uh, Brett, you've been doing this uh, a long time. You love jumping in on Power 5 programs. Uh, we always talk about the Big Ten West being wide open with uh, a lot of leans towards Wisconsin because historically they've been the, the team that's done it. I know Iowa went to the Big Ten title game last year. Uh, when you look at this upcoming 2022 season, you know, what do you make of the West? Who specifically, before we get to, to Nebraska, who sticks out? Uh, what, what, what's the, the gap like between who your favorite is and, and who's in contention? It seems like there's a lot of log jam going on with the West usually. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a very competitive division, one that gets overlooked nationally, honestly. I, I, I like a lot of these programs. Had a chance to talk to a lot of the head coaches, uh, P.J. Fleck, um, Jeff Brom, and Brett Bielema. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I have Wisconsin winning it. Uh, they're a proven product year in and year out, especially on defense. 
I know they lose a lot of starters, but uh, Jim Leonard, one of the best defensive coordinators in the game, and uh, really the offense clicked when they found Braylon Allen, their freshman running back last year, and you're going to see that again. The usual Wisconsin, big power running attack. Uh, but from there, it was really wide open for second, and I cover all 66 Power 5 programs myself. I do all the conferences myself. So the hardest one, I think, was trying to find a second-place team in the Big Ten West because I could make the argument for Nebraska, for Minnesota, for Iowa, and Purdue, uh, all really strong teams, and I think they're trending in the right direction. I ultimately picked uh, Nebraska for, for number two in the West, and um, we'll, we'll break it down between those four. But very competitive spot and one of the hardest divisions to analyze. Brett, before we get to Nebraska, can you quickly take me through Wisconsin? I mean, a lot of people have been saying that this offense needs Graham Mertz to take a step in 2022 if they want to win the Big Ten West. Do you think that's a, that's a fair assessment? And is Graham Mertz a guy that can take a, a, a jump in order to lead that offense? So I think that, yeah, at Wisconsin, you don't need a guy that's going to put up 40 touchdowns and put up 5,000 yards and uh, really air it out. You just need competent play. You need to minimize the turnovers uh, and stay ahead of the chains. And I know that sounds simplistic, but that's really what has been Wisconsin's formula for 20 years. And uh, you started to see that. Uh, you started to see him grow. So in September and October, the first two months of the season, he only threw three touchdowns through seven picks, 3-7. But uh, over, over November in the bowl, it shifted to 7-4, touchdowns to picks. So uh, he started to improve. He finished uh, over the back half of the year in the top five in Big Ten quarterback rating. Um, I think that he takes a step forward. And, um, but, yeah, the, the key for them is their rushing attack. Braylon Allen, like I mentioned, an All-American candidate there, definitely all-conference caliber. And then it's this, uh, this so-called grit factory, as they call their defense, uh, under Jim Leonard. It's a 3-4 base. And um, I know they lose, like I said, a lot of guys to the NFL, but – no, it's a proven product over there. They reload every single year, and they were right there behind Georgia as the best defense in the country last year. Brett Sianco with us, Sale Varsity Radio, Pick 6 previews, talking uh, Big Ten football, the West race. And let's get into Nebraska. How did Nebraska end up number two? Uh, what are some of the um, the attributes they have that, that made Nebraska the, the, the pick for you in a competitive division? Yeah, so I, you know, I, I do my advanced stats, my game grader formula that breaks it down further than just the win-loss record, and I'm watching four screens for 14 hours every Saturday in the fall. I try and catch it all, uh, you know, watching spring games and everything. And, and Nebraska is really a case study from last year. They went 3-9, and nine, but eight one-score losses as an NCAA record. You watch them. They move the ball so well per play. You know, the yardage per play metrics were all great. It's just they struggled and were terrible in the turnover department and in the red zone. They couldn't cash that into points. Um, but, you know, it's, they made a couple changes. I really like the transfer class coming in. It's a top ten transfer class. And uh, they were better than the record showed last year. And I think they have a higher ceiling than the other contenders with Iowa, Minnesota, Purdue. Um, with Iowa, they're limited by their, their offense, really struggles, and it's the same core of guys again. I just don't see that changing for them. Uh, Minnesota's got to reload both lines, offensive line and defensive line. And then Purdue loses their two-star players. They're All-Americans, David Bell, receiver, and Karloftis, the end on defense. So with Nebraska, I just see a higher ceiling. I see things trending in their direction. They're the highest recruiters, the best transfer class. Um, and, again, the turnovers thing, I know it's been a decade-plus of bad turnover luck, but it's just got to start to shift over there. You know, we were talking Whipple before we, we jumped on with you, and uh... – you, you uh, like you said, you've studied all, all the programs. And what's your take on, on his offense, what was done at Pitt with some great talent over there, transitioning and translating to Lincoln with some of that talent? Have you been able to uh, project a little bit here with that Whipple effect? 
Yeah, there's a couple things here. When I first saw the hire, I was shocked, quite honestly, because uh, you look at the two offensive schemes and personas of Scott Frost and Mark Whipple. They're polar opposites in the sense of Frost is very run-heavy. He's option. You see all that zone reads and RPOs and stuff. And then with, uh, with Whipple, it's very pass-heavy. Uh, ex- they were extremely pass-heavy at Pittsburgh last year. Um, and even before that, when he was a head coach at UMass, they were, I think, one of the most pass-heavy in, in America. So uh, how will that those two schemes mesh together? Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, they, they really played vanilla in the spring game. Uh, Thompson only had maybe three pass attempts in the whole game. So, um, But, uh, yeah, but you got to give Whipple credit. He turned Kenny Pickett into a Heisman finalist. I mean, this is a guy that they wanted to run out of town a few seasons ago and uh, really helped develop him, and he's an NFL pick, high pick. So you, you hope to see a similar transition here. You want to have a more competent pass game in Nebraska. Uh, you want to attack the intermediate zone of the field a bit more, more vertical shots. When you watch Nebraska, a lot of their passes are just to the sidelines. It's a lot of horizontal passing. And uh, when you have a guy like Wandale Robinson, maybe you break a couple, but uh, it's just repetitive and, and there's no downfield threat. So I think Whipple will bring that. Um, you have a quarterback with, I think, a little bit more zip on the ball than Martinez, but does lose maybe a step uh, in a foot race behind Martinez. But uh, it's just a different skill set. And, um, you know, Casey Thompson, he led the Big 12 in passing last year. So you bring in a veteran and a proven guy. Now, really the only team we've seen since we've gone to an East-West format in the Big Ten that's done well in the Big Ten West has been Purdue under Jeff Brom. And even then, I'm not sure it's fair to call them a, a pass-heavy team, even though that was what they specialized in. So do you think it's possible for a team to go out and do well in the Big Ten West, even win the Big Ten West, with a system that is potentially going to be focused on the pass game as opposed to the run game? Yeah, I mean, if you have the athletes to pull it off, um, you know, I, I think that when you see teams go pass heavy, if they have the arsenal at receiver and a, and a quarterback that takes care of the ball and can get it anywhere on the field, yeah, sure. I mean, look at LSU as an example. I know this is an extreme example, but you're talking about the rugged SEC West and, uh, you know, decades of being a smash-mouth power-eye offense. They open it up and they unlock all that five-star talent at receiver. They bring in the right trigger man with Burrow, and uh, they win a national title. Now, that's an extreme case, but it just goes to show that if you have receiver talent, if you have that upper echelon quarterback, uh, it really doesn't matter. You can, you can go whatever you want and, uh, and, and unlock that talent. But uh, with Nebraska, yeah, there are some concerns, or at least I'll say uh, uncertainties. I, I don't know uh, that they're a concern. It's just not proven yet with uh, the receivers on the outsides. There's some potential there. I like bringing in Trey, uh, Trey Palmer from LSU. Uh, that was a big haul by Mickey Joseph there. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's a different skill set, a different kind of scheme, and we're going to see how it meshes. It's going to be interesting. Brett Sianca is with us here. Pick 6 Previews talking Nebraska Tail Varsity Radio at Pick 6 Previews, where you can find him on Twitter, pick6previews.com, where you can go and get the paperback edition, the 2022 college football preview, and we're hitting on the West. Schedule-wise, is there a team that has a more favorable schedule in your eyes in the West? Yeah, there are two, and it kind of helped me pick Nebraska. One of them is Nebraska. Um, you know, after a decade of drawing Ohio State in the protected cross-division rivalry game, it's a, it's a really tough draw Nebraska's had to deal with every season. But that finally goes away. Uh, when you look at the top three over there of uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Nebraska only hits one of them. Uh, all other contenders have to hit one or two, um, especially when you factor in Michigan State. Everyone, everyone hits two except for Nebraska and Purdue. So. The two schedule boosts that I saw were Nebraska and Purdue uh, when you look across division. But, um, yeah, I think that's a welcomed uh, change for Nebraska. It's not to say that you're shying away from competition, but, you know, 10 years of playing the dynasty-level team when uh, some teams in the West aren't hitting them at all, uh, you start to see the schedule balance out a little bit and, and be a favorable draw this year.
Brett, with a few minutes left here, let's briefly talk about Iowa because it, it seems a lot of publications around the country are putting Wisconsin, Iowa, and Nebraska as that top three in the Big Ten West, at least on paper. And Iowa, I think we know what they're going to bring defensively, and that's going to be a, a unit that's uh, not going to allow many yards, going to be very tough to go beat. But the offense is a big question mark with this Iowa team. Is, is that a fair assessment of what they, they bring? You know what they're going to get from the defense, but they're going to go as far as their offense can take them. Yeah, it's funny, Chris. I mean, for my preview book, I could probably just copy and paste it every year for Iowa. Uh, it's, it's the same <laughs> formula, and that's also that's a compliment and also a, a limitation because the defense is incredible. I mean, they lead the, the country in interceptions and turnovers, uh, takeaways over X amount of years. They do it every single year, um, and that reloads again. It's, it could be Phil Parker's best defensive line, if not the deepest he's had there. So they're going to be strong in the front seven again. They're ball hawking in the secondary. They have great special teams. I mean, you guys saw the block punt touchdown in the Nebraska-Iowa game. Uh, they flip the field and always have short fields to deal with. Those two sides of the ball are great. It's that offense that's just stuck in the mud again. It's the same personnel, a quarterback, the third straight year of uh, Spencer Petras versus Padilla. Um, I, I, neither one has shined. They both had their moments. Uh, they both had their chances, I should say. They also lose a Remington winner up front in Tyler Linderbaum. He was a first-rounder in the NFL draft. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's the same thing, and uh, they, that was the best form possible last year of Iowa, and I just I don't think they can sustain that uh, two years in a row. So um, a lot of close wins for them. Nebraska had the close losses; those tend to mar- uh, you know to marginalize out, 50-50 out. So. Um, I, I think Iowa's still a strong team, but they're going to take a little step back. Iowa's been so good in those close ball games because of their special teams. That's been that phase of the ball game that's prevailed more times than not in tight ball games. Bill Bush in Nebraska looking to flip things and and uh, be competent on special teams. Brett, we're up against a hard break, and I keep you a couple of minutes on the other side to hit on the Big Ten East. Do you have a couple minutes? Yeah, sure. That All sounds right. great to me. All Thank right. you. Sounds good. Hang on. Brett Sianka with his pick six previews. As we're talking Big Ten today on Hale Varsity Radio. No shocker there. But uh, pretty good insight on Nebraska. And, yeah, the uh, the puzzle pieces and the new faces Nebraska has, it's been on a lot of our minds in trying to, to place it and get that picture of said puzzle with Whipple the offense, the quarterback, and most importantly, the offensive line. Uh, Wisconsin, tried and true, just don't screw it up, son, at quarterback and hand off for a couple hundred a game and and let the defense go win it for you. Uh, Ohio State and then who? Uh, Brett Sianca returns. Hale Varsity continues on a Thursday. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. 25 minutes away, Gary Barnett going to be with us. His take on Pat Narduzzi's comments. Brett Sianca with his pick six preview, college football preview. And we're talking Big Ten. Uh, 
when we talk about the East, Brett, no one has dethroned them in the Big Ten title game. And uh, who do you think pushes Ohio State? I, I'm going to go out on a, on a limb and say I'm assuming you have Ohio State picked to win the East. Yeah, Ohio State is my selection to win the East, uh, win the Big Ten, and actually return to the playoff. Um, I know they missed it last year, uh, due in part to their, their weak rushing uh, defense against two teams, Oregon and Michigan. They, those teams really pushed them around. Ryan Day cleared, uh, cleared house on defense. He fired the whole staff except for one, uh, one coach, uh, brings in the best defensive coordinator in the game, or one of, uh, in Jim Knowles, who helped turn around Oklahoma State into a top-five defense last year. and A team that Oklahoma State usually think of putting up 60 a game and winning shootouts in the Big 12, but uh, they were one of the best defenses out there. So, uh, And they return a lot of uh, five-star and, and blue-chip potential on defense. So look for a well-rounded team led by a Heisman favorite in C.J. Stroud and that best uh, nation-best receiving core. So they're going to put up a lot of points. Can Michigan reclaim that magic that they had last season and give Ohio State a run for their money this year? Uh, they certainly can. I still have Michigan ranked sixth nationally. I, I, you know, I have Ohio State winning the East, but I have Michigan second and sixth overall. Um, you know, that uh, that game against Ohio State wasn't an accident. This, that was their goal for 365 days. Um, you know, I, I had heard that Harbaugh put in a drill, a practice at the end of every practice, where you blare the Smash Mouth heavy metal music and you just do a physical one-on-one drill, a goal line drill, and he called it the Beat Ohio drill. But basically, back uh, you know, 11 months later in November, we watched a three-hour rendition of the Beat Ohio drill. It was just running in between the tackles. Uh, they were running at will. Um, and a lot of that comes back. Four, starting, uh, four starters in the offensive line are back. Both, quarter, both quarterbacks, uh, Blake Corum at running back returns. And, um, it's really a question of can they replace eight starters on defense. So that, that's a big question mark. Enough to move them down a notch in the East Division, but uh, definitely still contenders with their physicality. Brett, uh, where are we at uh, between Michigan State and Penn State? Does Sparty get the nod? They they hit it out of the park with the portal, and, and Mel did a great job last season going 11-2. and two. Yeah, I actually flipped those two. I have Penn State third and then Michigan State fourth, and um, it's not to take away from what he pulled off last year. It was one of the biggest uh, year-over-year win increases ever, uh, going plus nine in the win column. So incredible turnaround last year with Mel, Mel Tucker at Michigan State. But when you look at a lot of their games, watch their games, look at the stats, um, a lot of them were, were, I don't want to say fluky, but uh, they were one-score tight games. The Nebraska game comes to mind where Nebraska dominated that second half. It didn't allow a single first down, but uh, one bad punt goes for a touchdown and flips the game result. So uh, long story short, Penn State was on the other side of that. A lot of one-score losses. Um, I think they're a more proven product for 2022 uh, better recruiting program. They just signed a top-five recruiting class. They're best in 20 years out there. So, um, yeah, I think Penn State moves back up the ladder and uh, and takes down Michigan State a notch. Brett, does James Franklin have any reason for concern if this season doesn't live up to expectations out in Happy Valley? I think that uh, – so I'm based out of Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm not a Penn Stater, but I'm, I'm around a lot of them, alumni and former players, everything. And um, I think that this recruiting class bought him an extra year. Uh, you know, the, the, the pressure leading up to last year was, hey, you got to start signing the top in-state talent. you got to win the state. Pennsylvania produces a lot of uh, blue-chip talent, and uh, they were getting away. But this uh, 2022 class he just signed in February was number five in the country, kept all those in-staters at home, a lot of five-star guys, skilled players all over the roster. So um, I think that buys him an extra year. You know, get those guys on campus and see how it turns out over the next two-year sample. But, um, I mean, I hope it's on a hot seat because they just signed a – Huge contract, a 10-year deal. I can't even imagine what the buyout is there. 
they'd be underwater for a while. So um, I don't think there's too much pressure. You want to start winning those one-score games. It's kind of like Nebraska. They had five one-score losses at Penn State last year. So uh, flip those tight games, and you have a whole different uh, narrative, a whole different season for Penn State. Brett, before we get you out of here, I know you're a Heisman voter, and we had a couple Heisman candidates in the Big Ten last season, and C.J. Stroud and Kenneth Walker. And I, I want to get your take. We, we assume C.J. Stroud's going to be another Heisman candidate this year, probably Jackson Smith and Jigba too. Any other guys that you're watching preseason as potential Heisman guys in the Big Ten? Yeah, well, everyone's got their the favorites, and I think a more interesting bit would be, um, you know, who are the dark horses that no one's looking at? And I, I look at explosive, high-scoring offenses that are going to have big stack guys at quarterback, and two of them pop out in my research. Hendon Hooker at Tennessee, he was top five in quarterback efficiency last year, and it's, it's this up-tempo. No one goes at a faster pace uh, statistically than Tennessee. Uh, going to put up a ton of yards and touchdowns. Another guy, a dual threat, Malik Cunningham in Louisville. Um, you know, he, he's drawing Lamar Jackson uh, comparisons. He put up 20 rushing touchdowns last year. That's more than Kenneth Walker, a, a running back, that won the Walker Award. So, um, you know, of course, the team's success goes a long way in that. They're both going to have to make runs into the 9 or 10 win range, which is our, which are big ifs. But uh, if so, they're, they're in that category. Brett, Utah's uh, one of your playoff teams. You've got Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and the, the, the Utes. Uh, Woody Ham's been an incredible coach. I know their quarterback returns. Uh, you feel pretty good about their lines of scrimmage, or do you think it, it's more of it's Oregon and, and Utah and then kind of everybody else in the Pac-12? What's, uh, what, what sold you most on Utah? Well, it's a couple of things. Uh, they're a very proven product year after year. They lead my, my metrics in player development and win conversion, and that sounds boring, but what it is is they do more with less. Uh, on signing day, they're signing somewhere in the 40 range, but they're producing a ton of NFLers and wins. So uh, they do it year in and year out. Now you return one of the best offenses in America. Um, Cam Rising, quarterback, really shifted that program when he was put in in week four, um, and you saw him in that Rose Bowl going shot for shot with Ohio State. So uh, I think they're a proven team. And they have a favorable schedule this year uh, compared to the other contenders like Clemson or NC State or Miami uh, or the Big 12 teams like Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas. Utah, really, it's a two-team schedule. It's if you can beat, Utah, if you can beat USC and beat Oregon. Uh, and that Florida game is the wild card in the opener down in the swamp. But uh, I think that they go 12-1, and one, and as a one-loss champ, they'd be in the bracket. Brett Sianca, Pick 6 Previews. Get the hard copy at uh, Pick 6 Previews on Twitter, pick6previews.com. Log on today. Brett, awesome to get caught up again. We'll talk soon, and uh, thanks for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, guys. All right, there he is, Brett Sianca with his Pick 6 Previews. Good stuff, and uh, that's uh, a nice schedule if you are Utah, uh, where, yep, you open with Florida. But uh, navigate your way through the Pac-12 while it still exists. Bama is loaded again. Uh, they are hungry. And then there's Ohio State. If, if Ohio State can be a little more physical and, as he touched on, better defensively against the run, it's, uh, it, it looks good for them. I mean, you know they're going to be putting up 42 points a game offensively. And there's going to be those, those outputs where they, they only get to 31, 35. But that's what their offense can do. You should need a defense that's passable. Iowa Russ chimes in, uh, Chris at HaleVarsity.com when it comes to the Iowa improvement. Uh, Iowa Russ thinks the the Iowa offense will improve a little bit just because of of their youth last year on the offensive line. Thinks they'll be better on the O-line and they're playing true freshman wideouts as well. Uh, You look at um, Johnson over there who's just phenomenal. So, you know, Iowa could – they've been good historically at developing 
talent, and then they pop. So it's going to be incredible that West race. Each week will be pretty fascinating. Uh, not only are we on the road in Ireland, but uh, we are going to be on the road for Purdue, which is going to be potentially an elimination game for that West race. And then Iowa City on Black Friday. So uh, geared up for some big ball games. They're all big, as they say. Coach Barnett's 15 minutes away. It's Hale Varsity. We'll wind down hour one. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Jay Moore coming up next hour. Thoughts on the Husker defense and does Nebraska have a first team all Big Ten performer on either side of the ball? You uh, do that, that means maybe you're winning some ball games. Gary Barnett on the Narduzzi Whipple dust up. And a reminder to get buckled up. Coaches make substitutions during the game to get the best player on the field. Getting behind the wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Sober drivers are the only choice. A DUI costs more than you think. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So that's been the news today has been Narduzzi's comments. I have not seen much from ACC media days today, but he was supposed to supposed to talk. I don't know if Narduzzi was asked about his comments uh, when it comes to to, to Whipple, but uh, just uh, just odd, just very odd to uh, to go scorched. Maybe that's a bit strong, but it, the the tone and context sounded really bitter and put off. Uh, to go eleven and three with a forty-one points a game offense. Bitter is a, that's a good way to put it. And I, I maybe he had a couple a couple beers before it, you know, and the the, the lips got a little bit loose when he. You was mean talking. the truth serum? <laughs> I guess if you want to call it that, but I maybe that's the case here. It just seems like I, I guess I don't know him that well, so out of character isn't the right way to put it. But it just does not seem like something you'd expect from a high-level Division One head coach. Or maybe he's just a. No filter, call it like he like he sees it type guy. But uh, Nebraska fans are in in a couple of different camps. One, how dare you? Two, oh no, they're not going to run the football at all. And uh, my thought is uh, Whipple's a, a good offensive coordinator. Most importantly, with the hire, is you have the opportunity to groom some high level quarterbacks. Guys were brought to Nebraska to run the offense eventually, assuming they all don't transfer out. Whipple, to his credit, when he's been at Pitt, hasn't lost a lot of quarterbacks to the portal or pre-portal. So the big picture thing for me here with Whipple is you get a guy who's played some college football in Thompson, you get upside and talent in a guy like Pretty that you think, man, he can be special if he stays healthy. Both of them can be. And then uh, down the uh, the row here, you get a Harburg, you get a Smothers, and I'm not going in any specific order. You get a Richard Torres, uh, you get the kid um, uh, Watson out of out of Massachusetts. I mean, let Whipple do his thing. Let him uh, get to work with helping a guy read defenses, make throws, change uh, change plays, and get a balanced offense. The thing is, is as much as Narduzzi talked about 
how beat up Pickett was so he couldn't play in the, the bowl game, the Peach Bowl, by the way. Uh, I mean, Adrian sure as hell got the crap kicked out of him carrying the football as much as he did with shoulders and ankles and knees and jaws, jaws. over his time being Nebraska's RB1 as well as QB1. So I, I think I think it was more of a business decision for Pickett so he can go first round and he's uh, still in Pittsburgh. Hour two, shortly, Gary Barnett, his thoughts on uh, some college football topics and uh, Coach Narduzzi and Whipple. Hail Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back into it, it's Hour 2, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome in the Hall of Fame coach, Gary Barnett, Colorado and Northwestern. Coach, got to ask you, how was the golf last weekend? How you doing? Well, uh, let's let's put it this way, Chris. It was so good that I'm fishing this week. Oh, um, man. And I want nothing to do with a golf club. Really? <laughs> but we had a great time. Uh, interlocking golf course in Edina, Minnesota is a great great course and we had a great tournament and really fun and weather was good it's a little muggy for me up there but we had a great time but uh, i got my grandkids in i got three grandsons that i promised i would take fishing this morning and realized i had no fishing gear so i was at walmart at 6 a.m they are now my uh, favorite new store uh, or my favorite old store because they saved my life in this deal my reputation as a grandfather so Anyway, I'm buying, I'm buying jigs, I'm buying split shot, I'm buying hooks, I'm buying weights, I'm buying bobbers, <laughs> red worms. I got it all right there at Walmart. <laughs> how much, uh, how much power bait did you buy? Are you going with minnows, or I mean, what are we fishing for later? Well, I don't even know. We're going to a pond that has catfish, bluegill, bass, and and. Uh, crappie and here you don't get that much fishing for that sort of thing everybody goes trout fishing so uh, you know there's two 10 year olds and a 13 so we'll see how they all work out I don't you know their attention span I doubt if we're gonna have to spend more than an hour and a half out there but we'll see do you uh, buy a can of corn at least you know I can't believe you said that because my grandson said he caught it on corn last week and I said come on he says yeah just just a kernel of corn so we had corn on the cob two nights ago. We happened to have one ear left over. So I'm wrapping it up, and we're taking it, and I'm <laughs> counting on it. 
uh, when in doubt, go with the corn, Coach. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I've never used corn, but I've been trout fishing for so many years now that sure. I, I forgot about how to do the other. No, crappie love corn. Uh, at least, you know, that's what Grandpa Hunt used to tell me, and he'd always have corn. And that's what we'd put on our bait out in western Nebraska, so... That's what. Well, we, that's where we go. And you put just one kernel on, you put a couple. Well, knowing how brutal I was at casting, I put three on because two'd fly off when I was casting. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's how I do it. Coach, uh, thoughts here. And this came down on social media last night. Uh, I was in bed, so I saw it this morning. But uh, Pat Narduzzi, successful coordinator. Uh, Pitt's doing good things. That's where Mark Whipple was, and, and Narduzzi was on a podcast, and it might have been a Wake Forest podcast, or that's my read into it anyway, but uh, some unkind words from uh, from Coach Narduzzi towards his former offensive coordinator. This is a bit too tabloid for me typically, but I, I don't see this that often. I wanted to get your take on Narduzzi's comments about Whipple. Well, I uh, I don't know if I'd call them unkind. Let's just say they weren't complimentary. Sure. Um, the uh, that, that's easier to swallow. But um, you know, uh, I think the game they're talking about is Wake Forest, and you know, I, Mark isn't a guy who's going to pound it down your throat. You know, he's he's going to be a pretty much fifty-fifty uh, coach, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you've got to you know, you've got to adjust and you just got to, you know, throw your ego away and do what it takes to win the football game. And, um, you know, the guy before uh, uh, Mark was, uh, as you know, uh, Sean Watson. And Sean did like to run the football. And so um, whether or not uh, and the way things ended up, or who, who knows, but they had a pretty good year last year. And they, uh, you know, they had a couple pretty good quarterback. They had a good quarterback. They had a pretty good receiver in there, neither of which are there anymore. But uh, you, you know, it just it, you get trapped sometimes in those media day deals, and uh, you end up saying stuff and you wish you hadn't. But I, my guess is that's one of those things. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I look at Whipple and the the point total forty one a game for Pitt. Coach, 38 rushing attempts, I mean, that seems not, – it's not 40, it's not 50, but, but you're right around that 40 number. That seems pretty high. The thing I look at with, with Whipple and, and, and coaches is tempo, and I always try and, and think about, all right, who's their boss? Is it an offensive guy or is it a defensive guy? And sometimes – and Narduzzi's a defensive guy. Sometimes those defensive guys don't like – putting their defense out there because of tempo offenses if they're not being successful. Uh, yeah, there's no question about that. And it has a great deal to do with uh, whether it's a defensive guy or an offensive guy. No question about it. And, you know, I know uh, when I first started working for Coach McCartney, who was a defensive guy, I mean, we had to have a play that beat every defense. And he had all these defenses. And he wanted to know why we didn't have a play to beat this defense and a play to beat that defense. And, you know, offensive guys, they got their own thing going. I said, look, you got to come stop us. Mm-hmm. Well, defensive guys have a different mentality. They, they want you to have a play that beats their best defense. And, you, you know, the two just don't mix. 
and um, and that's that's part of the conversations that take place behind closed doors and meeting rooms between coaches, and it's it's also the fun of it, but it's also the strain of it as well, trying to make a compromise that both guys can agree on or, or be okay with, and it's it's always a problem. And and offensive coaches, they generally want you to up tempo. They want you to go, and then the defensive coordinators are yelling, hey, wait a minute, give me a rest. Can't you slow this thing down? I mean, I've got to get some – my players have got to get some rest. And so the more and more an offensive head coach becomes aware of defense, and, uh, you know, I think the better coach he becomes. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. When it comes to credit and, and ego, does that – sometimes upend a really good staff who's getting credit is is Whipple getting too much credit for for his offense his first round quarterback the Bolitnikoff award winner and meanwhile you got this I mean really well-respected defensive coach in Narduzzi with what he did at Sparty he didn't get the Sparty job but he uh, got the pit gig and, and he's turned pit around Th- does that play into it too guys getting their feelings hurt is it as simple as that or, or not getting enough credit well, I, you know, it's hard to tell. I'd hate to speculate on sure. that one. I, I think within the staff, you you've got to you can't have egos involved. Mm-hmm. It's the the fewer of those, the better staff you have. And you know, it's it's got to be arm in arm. It's got to be arm in arm publicly and arm in arm privately. So I, I don't know. I, I think that would be speculation. Gary Barnett with us, coach. Want to get your thoughts on Coach Campbell at Iowa State? Iowa State getting a commit from Nebraska. Lincoln High standout Benny Nagoy, really big time wide receiver, six four, just freak athlete. Looked at Washington, nineteen other offers. Nebraska offered, but wasn't necessarily active or actively recruiting him. Nebraska has a lot of in-state prospects, and uh, they're about full up with, with wideouts. Your take on, on Coach Campbell, why he's so appealing to, to regional kids, just what he's done with the Iowa State program as they look for kind of a bounce back here? Well, the answer's right there in what you said. Look what he's done with the Iowa State program. And so, um, you know, kids want to go where they can win. I mean, most kids want to go where they can win. Nobody wants to go and sit through losing seasons. And and so Iowa State has been a consistent winner. And uh, Matt Campbell has, you know, he's been solid. He's been, you know, he stayed right there, hasn't moved at big opportunities, and he's built just a solid program. And I think, you know, if you're Nebraska and you look at the last five years, it's hard to say this is a solid program. Mm-hmm. And so, uh you know, sooner or later, it's just like the, us at the University of Colorado. I mean, from 1988, 1986, really, through uh, 2005, we were a program that people wanted to go to. And then in the last 15 years, because of the turnover that we've had, uh, because of the uh, lack of consistency, because of the winning record, it's hard to get kids to want to go here. And and so it becomes appealing to leave and go someplace where you know the coach is going to be there and where you, you know you're going to win. So that has a great deal to do with. Not every kid is that way, but it, it gets a number of kids. Gary Barnett with his few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, when it, when it comes to uh, media days, uh, we are off to Indy next week, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday for, for Big Ten media days. Did you enjoy media days or did you tolerate media days? And I got a kick out of old Coach Leach yesterday 
screaming about the, the guy who ever invented the, the necktie. He wasn't happy uh, wearing his Sunday best yesterday. Well, that's, that's Mike just not having to talk football. When he gets off on those tangents, he just doesn't want to talk about it. He wants to uh, – he can use all his time talking about something other than being drilled about his offensive line or his quarterback. So it just takes up time. And, you know, you know you only have so much time at that – on that podium. So as much time as you can spend, not talking about something you don't want to talk about, you it, it's, you know, avoiding talking about something that you don't want to talk about. That's, that's the key. I mean, you know, media days were a big deal in the big 10. I mean, it was, it, it, it was different. Now, I don't know if it's the same, but it used to be, we're all in a ballroom in Chicago. Every coach stood up. There were fans from every school there. Um, and it was like, who had the best speech, who made us laugh the most, who, who really caught everybody's attention. And so I worked really hard on that day and worked really hard on my talk. And, and to me, the talk was a highlight that the other stuff is stuff you just had to tolerate. And I can remember, you know, going off on uh, and, and saying some things that uh, I just got tired of answering the same questions because you sit at a table and different media groups come by. And and I'll be darned if with every group that came by, some of the same questions were come up, come up and you're going, why can't we just, you know, have one, have this asked once so everybody can hear it. So it, it is a bit of a grind. Um, it's one of those things that uh, you, you better look at as a get to do rather than a have to do mm-hmm. because you'll have fun with it. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, the, the, what I, my biggest takeaway is walking out of those things thinking we can't beat any of these teams. They're all going to be really good. <laughs> so just, oh no. So, uh, yeah. Going back to my staff and saying, oh my God. You know how good uh, Purdue's going to be? Do you know how good Indiana's going to be? I mean, everybody knew how good the other teams were, but all of a sudden at these media days, the Purdue's, the Indiana's, uh, the Minnesota's, were all going to win the Rose Bowl. So uh, how are we ever going to win a game in this league? That's pretty good insight. Did, did you have uh, more fun in Chicago with media days and, and grabbing dinner there? And I know you guys were in Evanston. Or did you like getting some barbecue down in Kansas City? I assume most of the Big 12 media days were in Kansas City. Uh, you know, we had them in different places. Okay. Uh, we had them in Dallas because I know um, when 2001 it was in Dallas and uh, I took our three representatives, uh, team representatives, out to see where they played the Big 12 championship game because I wanted them to – to know just what it looked like when we got back there. So two or three years, it was down there. So, it, you know, food didn't make any difference to me at that time. It was nice being in Chicago because I could go home every night. I bet. And, uh, and you know, you can't do that when you're in wherever. So, Coach, real quick, thoughts here on, on Colorado, thoughts on the Big 12 and, and what you're hearing or, or feeling they do, and, and maybe Notre Dame – Earlier in the week, it sounded like maybe they're part of the equation. Maybe they're not. Uh, any any new thoughts here on the Big Twelve and and what's left of the Pac twelve? Do they do they absorb the Arizona schools in Colorado? Is that is that is there some movement there? 
I don't think so. I, I don't think it makes any sense for anybody. You know, to take any of the Pac-12 schools other than probably Oregon and Washington, to take any of those, it brings you no value. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Pac-12 TV package, which isn't even resolved yet, and uh, was the worst. Um, you know, you, you just can't be adding teams to be adding teams. There's got to be value there. And, and at the same time, I think the Pac-12's got to look at it and go, look, we're good for two years. We're playing the same schedule. You know, and, and Rick George, uh, you know, made a big statement here and said, well, you know what? We didn't lose a single team that's played in the college football playoffs. I don't know what the big deal's about. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and he was right. USC and UCLA haven't been in the college playoff. So uh, sort of let things come to them, look at it, figure it out, but not be quick to jump. And um, the same thing with the Big 12. They can't, they don't add any value to the Big 12 by adding those teams. So, um, you know, see how things go. Uh, Let's play out a season. We'll have another season before things still change and, and take a look at things. And so there's a lot of phone calls being made, but, I think everybody needs, needs to sit tight and truly explore uh, and wait and see what's going to happen. They have to, somewhere, somehow, there's got to be a structure where somebody's calling the shots, and uh, nobody's doing that now. And until they get that, it, you know, they, they can't just keep, you know, playing Monopoly here with people's property. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, take care. Enjoy fishing with the grandkids, and we'll talk again. You got it. Talk to you later. Bye, Chris. Good stuff from Coach Barnett. Hail Varsity Radio. We'll say hi to Jay Moore. Get some thoughts on the Husker defense. That's next. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hail Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, it's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Blackshirt Husker NFLer co host, Big Red Wrap Up Jay Moore with us as fall camp is nearing. Jay Bird, how we doing, bud? I am well. How are you guys this morning, or I should say this afternoon? We're we're good and uh, gearing up for for Indianapolis. I know that's where you did the uh, the NFL Combine. You've been mm-hmm. to Indy a few times. I have uh, tentatively uh, circled a chance to to go to the world famous uh, St. Elmo Steakhouse, or at least get some some shrimp cocktail. But but we'll see how Tuesday goes with the. Uh, with the day uh have you uh frequented india enough to to be a restaurant guide you know i haven't i i wish i could the, the combine and that was about the only last time i was was there to be honest so yeah we didn't have a chance to uh to venture out too much mm-hmm. it was you were stuck for 
12 hours being needled and prodded and told where to go and meetings here and go do this. So, uh, no, but I have, I have had, I've never, you know, I haven't been to St. Elmo's, but I, you know, you can buy their, their cocktail sauce and man, it is really good. If you like spice. Oh my God. But I love spicy food. So it is, uh, it is nails. It is, it is really good for people who have not yet had it. I don't can't remember where you can buy it at here in town, but, uh, it is, it is, it is a must have. If you're having shrimp cocktail, no, uh, we will see what what I get done, but but I will uh, I will report. So a lot of questions as as camp gets going, and uh, I want to start off with uh, a story that Brandon Vogel did earlier in the week, and I loved it. But it was the the Indomitian Sioux, your teammate uh, metric. It was the Sioux line, is what he titled this, and I wanted to get your thoughts. With with uh, defensive line production, can you get what Sue put up against Texas out of a out of a season for a defensive lineman? Is that a, is that a good um, metric measurement where you have four and a half sacks, at least eight uh, tackles for loss? And we know Sue did that d- just against Texas, right? And there's there's right. a few guys that have done it. Uh, since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, a lot of Kaz's dudes when it comes to Malik or Eric Martin or Randy mm-hmm. or uh, th- that list. Jay, I want your take, man. You were a defensive lineman. You were you led the nation in sacks. Your defense did in uh, 06 uh, under Coach Blake. What was, what was your guys' standard or what was your – uh, goal. What, what was a good season for you guys when it came to sacks and TFLs and hits on a quarterback? Yeah, you know what? We didn't have you know, it's going to sound probably surprising, but it wasn't like we need to have you know, three sacks and eight TFLs. Or it wasn't a TFLs goal? wasn't every, a written down goal? No, no. It was not. I mean, that was, it was probably more personal. You know, if I was able to my our biggest goal from day one when it was instilled to us was execute your job mm-hmm. if you're supposed to be in this gap and or you're supposed to be you know if you're running some sort of blitz or you know you need to be if i'm in the c gap you got to get in the a gap and if i'm you know zone dropping in a even when we you know did a lot of uh, fire zone blitzes you know i have to drop and carry the number two wide receiver like that was more predicated then hey you need you need to have two or three sacks in by a d line in this game if you just did your job there was stuff designed to that you're going to come free and make plays so that was that was that was the biggest thing you know i just i think when you start looking at that stuff you just start playing a little selfish mm-hmm. and you can't you can't do that to be a good defense you cannot play selfishly you have to do do your job because other 10 guys are depending on you to do your one job and it sounds very simple, but that's just that's what good defense and that's just what good football comes down to is is that all other ten guys are relying on you to, to do your job. And if you all of a sudden get caught up in, hey, I haven't had enough sacks or I have enough TFLs or uh, you know, QB hurries, you're gonna let your other ten teammates down because you're gonna start playing unselfishly, you're gonna start playing undisciplined, and you just can't have that to be a to be a good defense and, and to be a good team in uh, not only in division one football, but in big ten play. So no, but you just you just kind of played. I just played every game. We just played every game. And if you if you had, 
you know, four sacks, great, or whatever. If he had three, you know, a sack and three TFLs, that was awesome. But I was more distraught after my bad plays. You know, I could mm-hmm. I could have like no sacks and maybe a couple tackles, and but if I knew I did not mess up, you know, I you know, I didn't bust. We always call them bust. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mess up a certain play, if I didn't bust. I was I was good with it, and I know my effort was good. But some that's just the way it shakes out. Like you just they just don't they get rid of the ball quick because we had a really good D line. A lot of teams did that. They they got there was kind of one two three in their throwing. They didn't do a lot of five six seven step dropbacks because we were going to get home eventually. So he's kind of he's pride in doing your job and making sure that when it comes to getting your grade after a game that you were you know. You were, you were scoring in the 90s, which, you know, if you're playing 50, 60 snaps, you know, that might only be a couple a couple negatives against you. So that was that was our main plan. If you did your job, the, the sacks and TFLs and PBUs and QB hurries and hits on quarterback were going to come. Jay Moore's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jay, interested to get your take on Pat Narduzzi throwing a little shade at Mark Whipple, calling him stubborn, refusing to run the ball. I'm paraphrasing what was quoted uh, from Narduzzi in a podcast as it was ACC media days. So there's a little, dare I say, bitterness or frustration towards the former OC. As a defensive guy, would you rather face a team that's dropping back a thousand times, i.e. pass rush, or, man, just uh, did you want a team that tried to run it right at you, run it down your throat? Is there a preference you had? Yeah, you know, I'll take the I'll take the team that wants to chuck it because that means they can't run the ball against us. So that's that was our you know another goal of yours as or of ours as the defense is stop the run because make them one dimensional. So if they know they can't run it, then let us let us tee off, let us you know bring blitzes, let us you know sit back there with seven eight in coverage and maybe your three front front three or four can can get home and you can start getting exotic in some of your looks and and so on and so forth so yeah let me let them just try to chuck it because if they're one-dimensional man that's 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 a that's a dream of a defense so that that was always that would always be a plus for us because they're you know they start running the ball well and you don't know what they're able to do you know you just you get stuck in those you know second and fours third and threes where they can they can do anything and then you're just kind of sitting back in your hill just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen and you got to play a little less aggressive, but you know they're going to start throwing it every down. I mean, you know, I, I know we rarely played those type of teams, except for maybe like a Texas Tech in the Leach days. But that was such a different. That was such a. You know, it's kind of more what we see now in football. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a, a different attack. You know, when I was college football was more, you know, pro style, uh, West Coast in in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, that that was what sixteen years ago. So now nowadays it's it's spread spread you out you know you rarely see some teams you know kind of get GoPro style but uh, yeah that I would have loved it <laughs> if they said hey we're gonna chuck it 50 60 times a game because obviously they, they could have run the ball or, or 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 have a game plan to run the ball. Jay Moore, a couple of minutes with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, and Jay Bird, of course, with uh, Big Red Wrap Up. Jay uh, with Nebraska, as you look at this roster. The new faces, the grizzled vets. Does Nebraska have an all Big Ten player on the roster? JoJo, second team. Cam Taylor Britt, second or first team. Okay, they're gone. Uh, who's, who's there to pick from in your eyes for Nebraska? Who could wow this year? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I look a lot of these, you know, accolades, postseason accolades come from total team wins, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think if Nebraska finishes, you know, nine and three, eight and four last year, probably Cam Taylor Britt and JoJo Doman are first teamers. Mm-hmm. You know, so if they perform well as a team and they don't have to do anything different, but I just look at if the team overall performs better, you know, you're just going to get a, a few more. You just get like a step up in basis. <laughs> it's like, hey, okay, you know, they, this, you know, they're you just get but more credibility. But you know, looking at that, I, I I immediately think of the defense. So let's look at you know Heinrich Reimers. I think they have a shot at at uh, uh, jumping up to that echelon if the team the defense performs well. You'd like to think a guy like Oshawn Mathis with everything that's been touted and what he's supposedly bringing in you know he could he could step up to there uh potentially garrett nelson if he takes another step forward with the years he's had playing on the defense and under chenander i'd like to think he could stay take a step forward and then you, you slide across to the offense and you know with with one of the guys that has all the tools in the world you know hopefully he can just stay mentally sharp and and take care of his business i, I think a guy like omar manning could could definitely uh, go up there. Um, help me on the new wide right receiver from LSU. Palmer. Um, yeah, Palmer. You'd like to think he could p- potentially step up and maybe do some things, you know, offensive line wise. I just, you know, I just don't know. You just, you just don't know how things are shaking out, how they're moving things around, mm-hmm. you know, injuries, so on and so forth that people are coming back off of. So I don't, I don't, I can't really peg anyone there. I'd love to. I mean, if you get a all Big Ten lineman, that means you're, 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 you're kicking some tail up front, and that means your offense is probably performing really well. But I just don't see anyone there, quarterback wise. I don't know. You just don't know who's going to be there, you know. Yet, you know, is it is it, you, you know, the kid from Texas or the kid from Florida State mm-hmm. coming? So I don't, you just don't know there. Running back wise, that's just again, it might just be more by committee, in and I don't know what Whipple's plans are. But, you know, if those – maybe looking at the couple wide receivers, Volkolek maybe, yeah. if they utilize a tight end. You know, there's there's a, there's a guy that you kind of forget about. Um, but I, I would lean more towards the defense having a, a better chance just because that's that's what has held this team together so far, and that's and they've performed better. I mean, Chenander's crew has outperformed the offense for, you know, four years now. So I, I, would, I would think those, you know, the four guys I kind of mentioned – there probably have a really good shot of bumping up but you know they got to go they got to go eight and four nine and three you know ten and two to start getting those considerations i don't i don't you know i don't recall too many too many six and six teams unless it's just like just some freak of nature type of performance where an outside linebacker has you know 16 sacks you know other than that or you know you get a, a secondary guy or a linebacker that has an insane amount of tackles or PBUs or, you know, or interceptions. But, uh, you know, first and foremost, this team will, they, they perform better in, in getting that eight win type of uh, echelon. I, I think you'll, you'll see a couple guys, you know, finally crack into the all big 10 area. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show 
podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Jay Moore's with us, Hail Varsity Radio. Jay, will get you out. Uh, thoughts on the British, uh, Henrik Stenson, penning a, a long goodbye uh, that could have been summed up. I'm, I'm leaving for the money. You had the insane offer. It, it was made to the, to the open champ. Uh, how you feeling about golf here on a Thursday? <laughs> yeah, the British was great. I uh, I like Cam Smith going to the week, firm and fast conditions. Uh, he's from Australia, so uh, they, they get those a lot down there in the sand belt. So loved him going to the week. I wish I would have bet him, but I just didn't because his odds, he's only like plus 2,200. I try to hit more grand slams and <laughs> and then singles sometimes on, on the bets. But, uh, yeah, he played outstanding that final round. and Just getting the hot putter. You know, you'd like to think Rory had a chance, but Cam Smith has came and got it. But this live thing is, is pretty wild. It's just just what we're going to deal with. I think you're going to see more and more guys later in the year go once they kind of figure out their where they sit in the FedEx Cup and, you know, and trying to maybe grab some of that money there. But other than that, I mean, you had you had Hendrick, you had Charles Howell, who's been he's played on the PGA Tour for many years. I mean, the, the money is just too good right now. It's just too good. And a lot of these guys who are getting older in their careers are like, man, I can I can play less events you know, fewer holes, you know, and, and I'm guaranteed money, you know, Pat Perez, just in the last event, you know, he shot like 80, the final round, but his team won the overall, the four main teams on the overall event made 900 grand plus, plus whatever he made during the week. So it's like a million dollar payday to these guys for playing average golf. It just, the money is just too good. And it's, it's lifetime money. It's generational money. I know some of these guys are, have, uh, have enough already, but man, it's just hard to turn down that money. And, and for anyone to, you know, second guess what they're doing, no one's ever asked them to come play golf for $100 million. You know, these yeah. people that are second guess, I'm like, what happens if someone offered you $100 million? I mean, if, see ya, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I'm gone. Like, I'll catch you later. So mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't blame them. And I, I think eventually what's going to happen, the PGA Tour is going to lose on this. They can't keep kicking people out and saying you're, you're banned. I mean, you have Phil, who's a lifetime member. I think Dustin Johnson's a lifetime member. Like you can't, you can't ban them from the tour. I think guys realize that. They're like, well, we'll go over now. We'll call your bluff, and I think we'll see you in court eventually. And the PJ Tour is just going to lose, and you're just going to have another, another, another golf. You know, another venture for golf, just like you had the European Tour. Um, and now you're going to have just another version of uh, of a tour that guys can come and play. In your opinion, and I don't want to get you in trouble because I know you've. Uh, continued to work on your golf game but is in your opinion is the funding there for the pga to step up their financing i mean listen i don't expect anyone to have saudi money no way i mean that that's that's billions and billions of oil dollars that said can the pga do better with what their purse is do you think that's that's an answer yeah it's i i I think it's going to have to be. I think what the PJ Tour is going to have to do is step up and and make sure they're keeping their young talent. These kids that are coming out of college, 
these good amateurs in instead of saying, hey, you have to go to Q school, this grind where you only get into the Corn Ferry Tour. They need to start recognizing like some of these good guys. I mean, I'm a I'm a golf junkie. So Pearson Cootie, who is from Texas, just won a national championship this this May at Texas, just won a Corn Ferry Tour event. All right. So obviously he is good enough to play. So, but here's what the, the speculation can be is lives like, Hey, Terry P- P- Pearson, we'll give you 50 million to come over and play our tour. Now the PGA tour needs to step up and say, hey, Pearson, guess what? You're good enough. We're going to bump you up to the PGA tour right now mm-hmm. to save you from going over there. So that's, they, they just got to step it up. I mean, and, and encounter everything that they've, uh, that the lives going to do. I don't know if there's an, if there's enough money there. Cause the tricky thing is you can go step up and, and go to your sponsors, but your sponsors are like, well, why would I give you more money to have the sponsor uh, event that's going to have uh, uh, less than, you know, a less than good field that to, for my people to come and watch, right? You know, if you're not going to allow Dustin Johnson and, and you know Phil Mickelson and Louis stays in and just so on and so forth, like, why am I paying more to have not as strong as field? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a tricky thing, but I think they're they're going to have to make it work. There's, there's other, other than that, then, then they're, you know, they're going to be kind of up a crick without a paddle in my opinion. And, and honestly, and one of the, one of the biggest key holders in all of this is, is Augusta national. You know, I think if Augusta steps up and say, Hey, you know, you've already had the U S open say you could play the British open obviously said you could play this year, but if, if the people had Augusta national and, and the masters say, Hey, guess what? Uh, Dustin and Phil, who, who are your past champions, you, you can't play if you're committed to live tour. I think that I think they kind of hold hold the keys to everything. So it's gonna be interesting to see what they say. You know, come come maybe you know this winter or early 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 in the spring when you know the Masters gets going. So it's 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 gonna be uh, very very interesting to say the least. Jay Moore is with us. Some football, some golf. Jay Bird, have a great weekend, bud. Great to talk with yeah. you, and thanks for the time. Yeah, no problem. You got it, boys. Big thanks to Jay Moore. Let's check in with Danny Burke. Burke's best bets. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's check in with Danny Burke. Burke's Best Bets, VEASAN Sports Network, nightly. The Danny Burke Show and, of course, the Danny Burke Podcast. Find that on iHeartMedia and all over uh, the country with VEASAN Sports. Danny, uh, listen, uh, All-Star Game was... Uh, a bit thrilling. I, I saw some tweets from you at Danny Burke five. You weren't happy with Schwarber, <laughs> who was throwing to him. Did you still clean up at least a little bit with the home run derby, or did you take a bath? Uh, I did. I did kind of even out because I took a little <laughs> flyer on Juan Soto, and then I live bet him just out of spite because of how pitiful Schwarber was. I mean, it had to have been rigged, right? I mean, Schwarber was just hitting it like completely low and line drives and. Yeah, I mean, what the, what the heck was this pitcher doing out there? I mean, they must have put a lot of money at Pujols 
to win the first round. And then you had the whole controversy of ESPN StatCast not counting the home run that would have tied it up with Albert. So it was nonsense all over the place, especially when it's a guy like Schwarber, who not only, you know, a guy I love, but was like the second most heavily bet guy besides Pete Alonso. And I don't know, you can't have that. I know it's like an exhibition and people will be like, oh, well, you know, it's your fault for betting on it. But no, if you're going to regulate these things, you got to make sure it's legit. So uh, I'm over it because at least I evened up on it. But yeah, it was, uh, it was disappointing to say the least. Well, we'll get into some playoff odds for the second half. I know some of the, the major books have recalibrated their Oriole odds. We'll get some takes from you in a moment. But tonight, Dodgers, Giants, uh, you're in on that one. Yeah, I, I was thinking of a few angles to bet this game because you got Carlos Rodon, who's been very, very solid for the Giants this year. I kind of thought he would maybe take, uh, take a step back after the great year he had with the White Sox and he signed a big deal with the new team. And we've seen that happen a lot. Heck, we're seeing it happen with Robbie Ray with the aforementioned Mariners. But, look, uh, Rodon's been the steady guy in this Giants rotation, and he's really been great against the Dodgers both home and away this season. Considering that Rodon has done great, the Giants haven't hit exceptionally well at Dodger Stadium, and White does pitch better there, I'm thinking that it could be a lower-scoring game. But when it comes to unders, I never, pretty much never, want to bet a full game under because of the extra innings rule where you get a runner on second and then, of course, having to trust these bullpens. And the total had already moved down from 8.5 to 8, so then that takes me to the first five. And that number moved from, like, 4.5 to 4, but even with the four, I got the odds of even money, which I like at least for that particular situation. So I'm thinking this is going to be a lower scoring game. Uh, not only that these pitchers can have a solid performance, but more so that, you know, these hitters are coming back from the all-star break. Maybe they're a little bit lackadaisical in the first game back, and more so it's going to be the pitcher's show. So I like the first five under four at even money for that game tonight with the Dodgers and the Giants with a strong lean to the Giants in the first five. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Danny Burke, Burke's best bets, Veasan Sports Network. Danny, let's zoom out here a little bit. And now that the All Star Weekend is over, uh, let's let's take a look at some divisional matchups. As we got a, a couple close series, both the AL Central and the NL Central. Uh, seem to be forming up into what could be a close race. I see in the AL Central, it's down to the Twins, Guardians, and White Sox. Over in the NL Central, we got the Brewers and the Cardinals uh, both battling it out. Do you see either of those as teams that have good value in them to bet in terms of teams that are going to win their division? Yeah, look, if I wasn't already invested in the White Sox, I took a minus 110 in like May. If I wasn't already invested, I probably would have taken them when they were like 2-1 to one two weeks ago. And then they took three out of four against Minnesota heading into the All-Star break, and then they moved down to plus 135. Yet the Twins are three games ahead of them, and they were still the shorter shot in terms of the odds of the division. Well, then you move a day later, literally like 24 hours later, and I guess the betting market now is infatuated with the White Sox because they have now moved up to the betting favorites to win the AL Central at plus 115. And the Twins, I think, are like plus 125 or plus 130 at some books out here. But I get why the love is coming in for the White Sox. I've been hard on them and critical, and so have a lot of people, but rightfully so. When you have all of that talent in an easy division, you would think that would end up with success. But that has not been the case in the first half. It doesn't help when he got old man LaRusa managing like a knucklehead out there, to say the least. But the good news for the White Sox is that they will be healthier coming into the second half. 
And the most important thing is that they have the easiest schedule remaining out of all the, the major league teams in terms of their opponent's win percentage. So you're getting the White Sox still at some plus money. I think that's a good route to take if you have not invested in them already. I'm not going to double dip because they are a very volatile team. But what I was also comparing it to is their odds to make the playoff. The yes was anywhere from like minus 140 to minus 190. Look, let's be honest. If the White Sox are making the postseason, it's going to come via winning the AL Central. The teams that are competing for the AL Wild Card are all better than you. Being a team like the Mariners, being a team like the Blue Jays, the Rays, the Red Sox, heck, maybe even the Orioles, who knows. But the point is, not only are you getting better, a better price to bet them to win the division, that's just a more feasible way for them to make the postseason. So if you have to choose between the two, I get you get another opportunity if you do just to make the playoffs because they could get in through the wild card. But that's really not going to happen. The only way they'll get in is if they win the AL Central. And, yeah, I got confidence in them to do so. I mean, the Twins pitching I don't think is going to sustain. Uh, the Guardians I just have not been that high on, even though they have owned the Sox. I just think they'll falter out. So, yeah, if you get plus money, I like the White Sox. They got over 50% chance to win the division, courtesy of fan graph, and they are the favorite still in terms of that percentage to win the respected division. And you're getting, like I said, a pretty respectable price. So that's how I'm looking at it for the AL Central. And then for the NL Central, you know, I've actually been someone who's been a bigger proponent of the Brewers as opposed to the Cardinals up to this point because, you know, Milwaukee's pitching, I thought, is great enough to carry them through the regular season. But their lack of offense is not going to get them in a, in a spot to win the World Series. But to win the division, yeah, I think they could get by. Well, they're not going to get by if Josh Hader, who's supposed to be your most reliable pitcher, is imploding. That's what you saw heading into the All-Star break. I mean, Williams is a stud out of the bullpen. But if Hader's not, well, that completely changes the dynamic of this team, especially when you can only rely on Burns and then Woodruff. But a guy like Ashby and the rest of the rotation – and they're kind of wishy-washy. So, look, I don't want to lay $2 with the Brewers to win the Central, especially considering they're only a half a game up of this Cardinals team that has a way better offense than you, and I guess at the same time pitching that is good enough to get you by. Never like to uh, root for the Cardinals, but if I'm being objective, I would look to take their plus price to win the division. Uh, Danny, we'll get caught up again next week, bud. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, you back, guys. Take care. Big thanks to Danny Burke. Talk tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.